The Brutally Speaking podcast is proudly sponsored by Starving Artist Brewing. Starving Artist Brewing may be a small speck on Michigan's beer map, but they say big things come in small packages. A brewery who really puts their money where their mouth is, supporting underground artists far and wide. Making delicious beers with the simple belief that you should judge beer, not people. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. With over 500,000 officially licensed items in their online store, you're guaranteed to find something you need. Use our code BRUTALLY and get 10% off your total purchase order. Now on to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am your host, John. This episode's guest is Chase Wilson, guitarist of Of Sulphur, whose debut album, The Burden of Faith, is out now via Century Media Records. Um, I realized I have a predisposition to want to have people that have worked with Josh Schroeder uh, in some capacity, and I kind of realized other than just that he works on really great records, really interesting records... But it's also that he works with good people, just genuinely good people. And Chase was no different. You know, obviously the band has been making a lot of noise. Uh, One of the first bands that Ricky Huber, vocalist of the band, has done in, in like 10 years, I think. And it's one of those things where, you know, I sometimes feel like I'm not super paying attention to, you know, aggressive metal Uh, that I feel like a lot of times I'm just kind of peripherally seeing things uh, coming through my email and so forth. But this is one where between Josh working on it and just honestly the metal world taking notice of this album and, you know, past alumni of the show, you know, Lindsay Schoolcraft uh, from X Cradle of Filth working on this record too. There was just a lot of buzz and excitement about this record. So when getting to finally hear it, You know, I kind of jumped at the chance to have someone from the show on and getting to talk to Chase was just really cool. You know, it was kind of a loose conversation and one of those things where, you know, I know I've been saying this the last handful of episodes and, and even broke down crying in the last one of just kind of understanding that, you know, things happened for a reason and that people kind of are here in your life and, you know, kind of come into it when they're supposed to. And I know it sounds really grandiose and, and, and big and hippie, dippy type shit, but I do really feel like at times it, it's a thing where just communicating with people is is so necessary, and I don't think that we sometimes take the time to realize that. You know, I, I went and got a haircut today because I'm about to go on vacation uh, next week for about a week, and I started talking to – I was supposed to have one barber – and then they ended up switching me to somebody else. And I ended up just kind of talking to the person and we kind of, you know, just kind of expounded upon things that we've learned about ourselves and others from through working in, you know, retail and food industry and so forth and serving. And, you know, even her being a hairstylist, you know, where it's like, she goes, sometimes the things people tell me, like, you're not really supposed to just say out loud to a stranger. Um, and it, it was one of those things where I'm just kind of reminded constantly that that's sort of what this podcast is, is just a almost 
I don't want to say a daily reminder because it doesn't happen every day, but that it's a reminder that we really need to be more open to communicating with people. And you never know where these, these experiences will go. You know, I explained last week about just a quick conversation with someone at my job led to something that made me feel so overwhelmingly emotional. And all it was was just putting a last name on a hat and and a quick little five-minute conversation while it was happening. And the same thing kind of happened the other day, too, at my job and, and in some other conversations I've had where I just feel like maybe myself and or the other person, we, we needed that exchange, that conversation to have happened. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's just interesting as I get older that I, I feel for as much as I hate being around people and I, I don't really like people in a larger sense of this, of the phrase that I do enjoy the one-on-one time with people. I think it's when I'm dealing with crowds. I don't like crowds of people. Um, and I blame that just, you know, being at bars and stuff and just seeing how people are just rude to one another or think that they, everything revolves around them. But by and large, when I get someone one-on-one, I, I enjoy that. I enjoy small interactions. Quality over quantity, I guess, is what I'm saying. And, you know, it was it was kind of interesting. You know, the last handful of chats I've done, you know, between Chris from Barry Tomorrow, uh, Chase, uh, this with this episode, and um, the one I did last week with uh, Jake from Gideon, you know, there's just kind of something that carries over in, from each chat where it's like, you know, we're, we're still kind of in touch a little bit and just continuing the conversation we had on mic. And it's, uh, it's not something I take lately. And I think that's something I, I've really been preaching and focusing on a lot more is wanting to, I guess, be more present and, and more aware of, of these things because I feel like too often we just aren't. And I know that may seem like a redundant statement I've made so many times, but I, I think it just... Like I said, if nothing else, this podcast is for me. And I do go back and listen to them sometimes because honestly, it's a thing where by the time you're hearing it, it might have been a month since I had the conversation. And and some of it gets a little fuzzy uh, as to some of the minute details that we ended up talking about. And it's uh, it is a thing where sometimes when I hear myself say something or I even listen to these intros and outros and I think to myself, wow, I really need to listen to myself more. I need to listen to my inner voice. I need to listen to my intuition, my instincts, all these things, things that we all as people probably say to ourselves all the time. We are are a pretty good judge of a lot of things. I think we should give ourselves more credit than we actually do. And I need to take my own advice on that. Um, I know I have vocalized on here that I'm very bad at taking compliments. Uh, It's something I'm working on. And so additionally, I think something I need to work on is, is not being afraid to listen to my my gut instinct and feel that it's okay to kind of be decisive in something. Um, God, I spent like 15 minutes on it or something during the uh, DFT chat with Dan going over the cave-in record. We're talking about one of my favorite lines that I identify with as an adult now is the part of, in a like world of maybes, I want something like a yes or a no. I want a definitive answer. And... It's tough. Um, But all of that said, let's get into my conversation with Chase, and I'll talk to you on the other side of it.
yeah, I was going to say the, the thing that's like interesting about it as I get older, like, you know, being almost 40 at this point and like I grew up in the East Coast originally. So from Delaware and the last time one of my other like my uncle had passed away a few years ago randomly. And it was a thing where I was like watching like um, my grandmother and my grandfather who had been divorced for almost since I've been alive. And then like my parents in front of me and I had this like epiphany of just like, man, like the only thing that's going to bring me back here is technically these, like these next two funerals. And then there's really nothing that's going to bring me back home. And like, it's weird to kind of think about that even though I've lived in Michigan for almost over 20 some odd years at this point in my life, that it's like, I still identify as like back home, like being an East coaster. I still identify like Delaware is where I'm from. It's my home that it's weird to think about. Like there's literally nothing at that point that'll kind of make me need to go back home. And it's kind of weird to think about that in life that it's like, you can kind of identify with something and still feel that it's at the core where you are, or who you are, but really it's, it's not in practical, like real life, tangible things. Yeah, man. I mean, <clears throat> I've moved away from home so many times and then I've always just, it's like a black hole of Vegas. It just keeps dragging you back. And like my whole family is here, you know? So it's like, I mean, I, when I, whenever I do move away, it's like, I think, oh man, I'll, uh, I won't see my family as much. I won't see my friends as much, you know, it's like, and it's tough to live somewhere that's that far away. And, you know, you always wonder, well, what's going to bring me back? And it might not be the best thing that brings you back necessarily, you know? Um, But I hope everything works out for the better, not the worse for you yeah i mean it's kind of weird like as i've gotten older and like (laughs) i remember like when i started therapy a while ago and uh, you know i'm not in it anymore we kind of agreed that the things i needed to deal with were over but i remember when kind of that like introductory phase of like asking a lot of questions and kind of figuring out where things were going you know my therapist would be like well, how did this thing solve itself? How is this relationship now with this person? And I'd be like, oh, that person's dead. That person died a long time ago. This, you know, explaining those things. And it became this interesting thing where I just said it so matter-of-factly because it's just what I, like how my life has been and what I know. And I remember them being like, you know, you seem like someone that just understands that life isn't like infinite, that there is an end and that you understand that and that like maybe because you understand that it makes you approach your life differently than a lot of other people and i mean like i mean even like kind of another thing i've just been thinking about in the last like 24 hours um so coincidentally um the store manager of a a lids where we basically sell hats and do customization on hats and so forth and this past sunday um or actually last sunday i should say i ended up you know, a guy came in, was looking for a hat. I ended up selling him one. And I was like, you know, would you like to get it customized with something? He said he was buying it for someone. And he was like, yeah, like, let's let's put this on there. And he was telling me that it was for, I think, either his father and father-in-law. I can't remember which delineation of, of uh, familial member it was. But he was like, you know, they have cancer and they're, they just got a diagnosis that they're not going to have much time left. And so I was like, all right. Someone else was already running the customization machine. Ended up doing the hat, didn't do it the greatest job. And then the, the, my employee was like, yeah, that didn't turn out super great. 
you know, for X, Y, and Z reasons. And then, so I was like, ah, well, that really sucks. And I knew the other part of it that I didn't tell him. So I was like, I'm going to try to make this right. Let me try to make this hat real quick. And so I ended up making it. It ended up turning out way better. I called the guy up and was like, Hey, look, I heard what happened to your hat. Um, I made another one. I think it looks better. I'm going to send you some photos when I get off the phone with you. And uh, whenever you can come back, come back and we'll just do an exchange. And so the guy was like, you know, thank you so much. Uh, all this kind of other stuff. And so he came in yesterday to get the hat. And I was working with another gentleman on making uh, a hat for him, setting up the design. And so as I ended up showing him the hat, he was like, oh, looks so good. You know, thank you so much. And then was telling the other guy, like, this is, you know. So, and he goes, do you remember the person I was telling you the hat was for? And I go, yeah. And he goes, we passed away about 45 minutes ago. And this is now going to be buried with him. And I was just like, Jesus Christ. Like, yeah, it's fucking heavy. And it's just like, I work some dumb retail job at the mall and like, it's one of those things where, and as I've been thinking about it leading up to you and I talking and just thinking about, you know, these are the kind of stories and maybe you don't hear them quite as much. I don't know, but it was one of those things where I was like, man, I don't know how like band people night in and night out when they're on tour, how they hear these stories of like, you know, I was coming like, you know, you guys, your music saved me or your, you know, we were coming to see your band and like my friend didn't make it. And so I'm here or like just things like that. And I was like, I don't know how band people do this every night because like it's only been like a day and I'm just like still thinking about it. And I still obviously get emotional about it. And it's just like, yeah. I don't know how I don't know how you're able to like compartmentalize that aspect of your job, essentially. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's tough. I mean, you know, because those are those are stories that, you know, it's hard to hear, especially if somebody's like coming to see you and that happens, you know? Um, and, you know, I mean, especially like we, we released earth and, and so many people told us about their stories about losing someone and which is great. I, I want them to share and feel like they have a place to a person to talk to or, or people to talk to and, you know, or an outlet for that. Um, but it never really gets any easier hearing those stories, you know, um, and, uh, you know, even exp experiencing for it, you know, for experiencing it for yourself. Um, like I just told you, my, my grandfather passed maybe like a month, a month ago. Hmm. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's, it was, it was very hard, um, you know, but at the at, at the end of the day too, he was, he was 93. He lived a good life. I have to think of the positives and like, you know, he was in pain and now he's not in pain. So, um, you know, um, but it, it loss never, ever, ever, ever gets any easier. And it, like hearing the, even hearing the stories never does either. I think it's just something where <clears throat> I guess in, in both of these situations, like, for me, it's, it's interesting to, it's almost the app, like one thing with a connection to a person I, I don't really know. And it was just me trying to be, you know, kind of a, what I think to be a good manager, like doing the thing to make it right. Yeah. I feel so far at this point, and I'm sure it'll change over time, but it's like, I feel like because it was unexpected and it's, it's not my grief or whatever, but to, to know that, that like I did something to like make it less of a shitty thing or I don't know. 
But then it's like the thing with my own family. I'm just kind of like, eh, he's old. These things happen. Like, it's just, it's so weird to kind of see like the duality of nature of like which one I'm reacting to currently. Totally. I mean, it's, it's different. I don't know. When, when I hear about some, somebody and like you want to do something for somebody to make things right and like make it like good it's weird it's almost like you're trying to help that person grieve and then when it happens to you you almost have to help yourself grieve or and then like maybe maybe you have friends around you that like try and do stuff or say things or do something to help the situation but it's weird to be on the other end because i feel like you're if you if you don't experience it and you're trying to help the other side it it it's like common human decency and like you know it's not expected you don't expect anything in return for it you're just trying to be a good person right yeah you know i i think that's i don't know i think the the last few times i've had to deal with like death stuff i've almost looked at it when it's happening to me that it's almost an inconvenience, like not in the fact that like this, why did this happen to me right now? It's, it's not an inconvenience in that shape. It's more, it's inconvenient because like work only, like you have to take off, like everything is about like the process of dealing with the death. So it's like, I have to like figure out when is the funeral. I have to then, if I'm involved in helping make the arrangements and so forth, I have to then take on that responsibility. Then I have to notify a job. Then I have to look for flights. It's probably money I don't have or wasn't planning on. Uh, Then it's like you get back home or wherever the thing needs to be. Then you're kind of the support for everybody else. And then it's just kind of thrown right back into reality. Like we don't, I hate to say it like this, but I feel like at least in my situation that I've seen, it's like we, as I'll say Americans don't take the time to grieve. It's like you get this much time and then all the rest of it is really spent, like I said, doing everything else other than. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. And especially like I worked retail for 10 years, so I I totally understand your pain. Trust me, like it's it's like pulling teeth to get time off for anything. And, you know, funeral arrangements is not any exception. (laughs) <laughs> it, 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 like it, it, or grieving or visiting or whatever it, it's like pulling teeth to try and get time off um and the thing i learned is i mean at the end of the day they have to understand and like you you kind of just almost have to like not give the employer a choice and just be like my family member is in the hospital or whatever the situation might be, this is important to me. You're going to give me the time off essentially, you know? And, and most companies, if you put it to them like that, will be like, yeah, you're right. One, because you probably have a decent manager who understands or two, they don't want a lawsuit. Like it's just, it's just the way the world works. Um, And so I, you know, I've, I learned over time, you, you kind of just have to, you kind of just have to prioritize and your company will deal with it one way or another way they will. Yeah. I mean, the irony is, is like, I've learned that over the years, <clears throat> jobs, <laughs> you are replaceable for as much as everyone's like, you know, this place will never be the same without me. I'm like, Oh no, it will be. It'll run. It'll still exist. Like 
Sure. You're just a cog in, in the machine for that time until you no longer are. Um, very few people in almost any job are not replaceable. <laughs> right. It's, it's very few people that are make or break. Essentially. Yeah. And it's really like some people look at that as being very negative. And to me, I'm just like, no, I actually kind of like it. Cause then it's like, once I kind of realized that myself a long time ago, and I started looking at jobs sort of objectively the way they would an employee where it's like, at least here in Michigan, everything's kind of an at will employee kind of thing. So they can fire you whenever. And yeah. Same Nevada. yeah. And it's one of those like weird things where you're like, when you like the last job, I just left to take this one. Like, I didn't give them two weeks because I was like, I need to move on this job. They need me now. And I just, I want to go somewhere else where I'm wanted. And I remember they're like, well, during the, the like exit interview, they're like, so you didn't give us two weeks. So you're not rehirable. And I was like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Like like, whatever. Oh no. (laughs) I was like, so I don't, I didn't give you two weeks. So I'm, I'm almost kind of deemed not rehirable because I made it difficult for you and put you in a bad spot. But if you were to just be like, and we don't need you, you're done. Like, it's not like I could be like, oh, well, like, it's just weird how like that is like the relationship between jobs and people and so forth. And once I kind of started being like, you know, when I've been somewhere long enough and it's just like they feed you the same line of bullshit. I, it's like one day I was like, you know, if I were to flip that around and I were to come to you and be like, man, I know, like I said next year, like I said last year that I would do better this year. And like I didn't. But you know what? This year I'm going to kill it. And I'm going to do way better. And I'm going to do all these things. And then the next year comes and I didn't do any of those things. You'd fire me. So why am I sticking around and being undervalued somewhere and not knowing my worth? Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I, I worked for retail for 10 years and obviously I have, uh, I've worked at a lot of places. Um, and then one of those was zoomies actually. And yike. Um, but, but, um, yeah, it, it was one of those things where it was like, oh, you're doing so good. You're doing so good. And then I get shit on and I get shit on and I get shit on. I was like, I don't feel like I'm doing good. So I'm going to go somewhere where I'm appreciated. And I did, you know, it's like, you have to know your own worth in those situations as well. And if you're working for a company that doesn't know your worth, it, 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 it's like almost unsatisfying working for them, even if you're doing great, you know? Yeah. So it, you pick the right company, I guess, you know, it's, it's one of those things. Well, at times I feel like it's, and maybe it's like my age, like I said, like being almost 40 and there are times where, you know, you talk to like, I'll at least speak for myself, but like, I remember a conversation with uh, one of my family members a long time ago and I was like, yeah, I'm just like over this. And I left and they're like, well, it sounds like you have unrealistic expectations and you just don't want to work. And I go, no, I love working and I want to work. I go, but like at a certain point, why would you stay somewhere where you're clearly getting underpaid, undervalued, treated like shit? And I was like, you know, gone are the days where, and it's like the one thing being a boss and at different jobs that I've had, we're dealing with more of the youth where some people are like, oh, the kids nowadays are lazy. And I go, I don't think they're lazy. I mean, some are legitimately but I honestly think it's that they just understand that like, if they're just not happy, what's the point in st- being unhappy just to, to fulfill a status quo of like, well, I got a job, right. I'm doing this. It's like, you know, I also think it's funny when like, you know, I was talking with one of my new trainees yesterday and they're like, Oh, I'm getting a new, a, another part-time job. 
And, you know, I feel like there are people who are like, oh, back in my day, you know, you didn't see all these people working part time jobs because, you know, people don't want to work a full time job. And it's like, no, like no one, no one's really doing anything full time. I know at other places I've worked, like they've been like, as soon as this person retires, we're making this two part time jobs. And yeah. it's like the, 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 the climate has changed entirely. And I feel like the one thing that I've, I love about kind of living in the now is that I feel like people have learned to appreciate themselves for once and stand up for themselves. And I feel like, I mean, we're even seeing it in the music industry. I mean, like in, just in the last week, how many bands have you seen that are overseas or somewhere going like, we're not selling, uh, Russian circles just said that they're not selling merch. Uh, I think they're over in Australia or something like that or Europe. And they're like mm -hmm. the venue wanted to have a, their own person. Then we had to do a 25% merch cut plus a, I think a, another 20% of something else tax on top of it. And they're like, so we're just not selling merch. Yeah. The VAT tax. I think that is, yeah, that it was. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, that's why you're starting to see all these small businesses pop up and stuff like that too. It's almost going back to like the 1950s where you had all these mom and pop businesses and the big corporations didn't really exist. It's like, you know, you start to see these online stores and you start to see, you know, these smaller people just starting their own business, working out of their house, working out of like a small studio space, working out of like a warehouse they rented, you know? And I think that's good. I think it's sick. And like that way, you know, you're working for yourself, you can do more things. And it's like, it just makes it makes me feel better knowing I'm supporting somebody else versus like a Walmart or like you know like something like that you know. So I, I'm I'm here for it, and I think people should know their worth and know that they can do those types of things. What did the convert? I mean, without getting too much in, like into your your inner band, you know, business um, from a financial mm -hmm. reason, but like when you guys are seeing these things. And, you know, more bands kind of being outspoken about it. And what does that kind of do for you? Like, are, is it conversations you're starting to have where it's like, okay, like maybe when we start looking at some of these tours, maybe we don't want to take the one that's, I don't want to say not going to be right financially, but like going to be one where it's like, we may not be able to do price matches if we're going to be the you know support band. We can't afford to sell at these prices that other bands are. Do we not take that one, even though it might be a better big look tour for us? Like, do you, do you kind of start looking at some of these conversations that are being had and kind of internalizing them and figuring out how the band needs to move forward as a brand and as a business? So for us, it's a little bit different since we're we're still a young band. We've only been a band, an active band for like two years. Right. Um, but I mean, so much has happened in that two years that, I mean, I, I just feel like yeah. you can't not have these conversations. No, totally. I mean, I wouldn't say it stops us from taking tours or anything like that. But at the same time, it's like we do think about those things and, you know, like we do wonder, okay, what's the next step? Or we see other bands speaking out like Alpha Wolf or like Monuments or any of these other bands. And it's like, you know, I really hope that these venues smarten up because they're already getting sales from, you know, but they're getting a kickback from the bar sales and stuff like that as well. We're not seeing any of that money. They sell VIP table seats in some of these venues. We're not seeing that money, you know? And it's, it's one of those things where it's like, fuck man, you know, where, where's the line drawn? You know, it, 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 it's like, it, you're already getting money from here, 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 and here. And you're going to take our money that that's really our only source of income. Uh, you know, Spotify doesn't pay us. Like, I mean, it, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, 
it, they pay us 0.0037 of a cent, I think, for every stream, which is just the facts. That's what they do. And, you know, like, it just like streaming doesn't really break in the dough or anything like that. So that's like our only form of income. So yes, we do talk about it. And, you know, yes, we're like, you know, we're obviously we're super grateful to be on Spotify and be on playlists and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's not like a moneymaker for us, you know, like it's not a moneymaker for any band really. Um, so, I mean, we're, I'm just wondering what the next step in music is because everybody is speaking out about it. And, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm kind of interested to see where it goes. And as far as talking with my band or anything like that, I mean, I feel like they're, I can't speak for them, but I feel like they're probably on the same page because it's like what musician wouldn't be talking about that at a time like this, you know? I think, I think the interesting thing about it has just been seeing like, having book shows, having known a lot of people over a decade plus at this point that are in the touring industry. It's like most of this isn't like new to me, but it's interesting to kind of see the curtain being pulled back a little bit. And I would say like the, the average fan learning more about these things and just kind of seeing them be like, Whoa, why is that? Or like kind of questioning. And I mean, like to the point where like uh, Lee from born of Osiris posted a, a thing on Twitter yesterday about how the venue they were playing had a shirt that said something like down with EDM and then had like the line, the package on the shirt. And he goes, the fucking venue is selling merch now. And like, a, this sucks because like there, we have a ton of like EDM and electronic influences in our music. So like, clearly they don't listen to us, but like yeah. also now they're, they essentially created a competing shirt with us against us. And they're taking yeah. the merch cut. So then I had posted a, a photo that I had seen a friend post on Facebook randomly yesterday that was just like, this venue steals from the bands or something like that. And then uh, they had made the comment like, oh, band should take this and bring it out on tour and then even make like a, a venue specific one where they're like blank venue or whatever. Um, yeah. And so I shared that and I was like, oh, the, you should make one of these and put it next to that. And mm -hmm. like that tweet is kind of like on a very small scale gone like, little viral like hundreds and hundreds of likes i had a couple people like tweet me and they're like where can you buy one and i go it's just a mock-up i think you could literally just i mean in the day and age where you can boot like anything like you can boot like this shirt super easily um yeah. but it's a thing where i just i love the fact that it's it's been a common thing but i feel like finally the the voices are being of the bands are being heard and it's like okay like this is probably the precipice of the next big thing in music or changing the, the touring landscape, you know, gone are actually, I guess I should say gone. Aren't the 360 deals, but you know, I think we're at an impasse where like the industry itself, like what is the point of a, of a label anymore other than really just kind of alone and distribution? Um, well, you some, have some bands. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you got, no, you're good. Um, yeah, man. I, I mean, it's different for everybody. Um, but there are, you know, there are event avenues to take that don't involve that as much. Like, you know, our, our first EP was on blood blast and blood blast gave us a very good distribution deal. And it was just that distribution. There was no loan. There was no nothing. We, we financed everything ourselves and put it out on blood blast. And, you know, some bands are doing that, like Shadow, Brand, Angel Maker, all, all very good bands who have built their fan base to the point where they can be on Blood Blast and, you know, 
actually, you know, do, do it independently pretty much, you know, like, um, it's, it's one of those things where like, but for us, a band like us, I don't think financially we could go on as a band if we didn't sign with century, because, you know, we wanted our next album to be something, you know, that was huge and epic and, you know, produced really well and stuff like that. And like, if your band, like brand or shadow and angel maker have grinded and have been around for years, <clears throat> then, you know, it might be a little bit easier for you to finance that yourself. But for us being a band for only a year and people expecting so much out of that, it was imperative that we, signed with century you know and like I'm, I'm not mad at it because they treat us really well and i really enjoy the team and you know they've done a lot for us but some bands don't need it you know i just feel like it just depends on where you are in your musical journey i guess you know it some bands can do it really well independently is it interesting to think that given the tenure of the band at this point like being only around for two years that you have people who are anxiously awaiting this record to drop tomorrow that's insane to me <laughs> <laughs> i'm just like i'm just some fucking kid from fucking vegas you know like i don't know i i never thought that yeah i'd be in this like i would all i always hoped i always hoped but you know it always seemed very you know distant for me um hmm. i've been in a lot of local bands i've been in a lot of bands that have toured and haven't really seen a whole lot of like uh you know nothing like this you know and so for this to be the band that does it is awesome um and to be having the team i have and having the people music musicians surrounding me you know it's it's kind of nuts blows my mind still so you know yeah it's nuts <laughs> I think the thing that was, you know, is almost like kind of same time thing. Like I kept seeing in my emails and, and online and so forth, like everyone talking about your band. But then I saw it from a completely different perspective that got me interested in it, which is my friend Josh Schroeder, who ended up, oh, uh, yeah. you know, mixing and producing your record. And I think drum engineering, too, if I'm not mistaken, um, yep. that it was one of those things. Like I remember like some of the snippets he was posting on, you know, this is the new next thing I'm working on or whatever. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, okay. Like, you know, obviously we know what he's done with Lorna Shore and a lot of other bands in that genre, as well as, you know, kind of expanding his own range of what he does, like with Butcher Babies and so forth. And it was one of those where I already knew I was excited based on the fact of uh, Ricky doing something again. And then knowing Josh was involved in it in some capacity, I was like, well, this thing's going to be just ridiculous. Um, and so, like, I've been super excited to hear the rest of the record um because i don't i've lost the email i think that had the full link to it so at this point i've just been like all right i got a couple of the songs but like the thing that's interesting to me about the record and you know we'll kind of touch on this i guess now but like the fact that like with unraveling you know you you give full band credit like it's something i don't know if it's literally like some of the other people in the band are working with collaboratively with you all but i feel like that was such a throwback to like how it used to be it wasn't necessarily that you had this vocalist or this person you had the band and it was just mm -hmm. kind of like a cool way to to kind of throw like like the cosine basically of like we fuck with this band they fuck with us like whatever and so it's like to see you know left to supper like the one that's really got me interested is to see presumably the the one you have with howard jones i assume like yeah 
because to me, I'm like, okay, yes, Light the Torch is still kind of heavy. Howard does kind of what he's been known to do, but I can kind of envision more of like Blood Has Been Shed kind of era Howard coming out on this. And I'm like, okay, as a dude who loves Blood Has Been Shed and has, you know, been championing a reunion every time someone from that band has been on the show, it's like, dude, I can't wait to hear this song. And I have like 24 hours to finally hear it and be like, all right, like, let's hear Howard just get fucking nasty with it. Yeah, man. I mean, if you like blood has been shed, then you will like that song for sure. And he, he just fucking absolutely killed it. Like I'm, I'm so stoked. I, that's one of my fucking childhood heroes. So, so that's like my favorite vocalist of all time. Um, and for us to have a song with him on it, is just absolutely like it, I, this whole thing is nuts, but that blah, 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 15 year old me would die. If he was like, hey, <laughs> one day, one day he's going to be on a song with you. And it's like, Oh fuck. I'd probably tell myself to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, like what's interesting about a collaboration like that is potentially the new people that maybe don't listen to music as aggressive as you guys that will then find out about it. Like, uh, the only and this might be a really weird comparison as far as like band or whatever but it's almost how i imagine people who are such diehard deftones fans and when chino did reprogram to hate with Whitechapel, it's like oh. that part was so fucking sick and it's like i mean it's no like no shit like chino would sound like that over something that crushing but like it's one of those things that there are probably people who listen to chino and deftones that don't listen to anything that heavy and so when they hear it they might be like you know what? I kind of like that. I might fuck with this. And it's like the gateway. And to think, you know, two years into your band's existence and you essentially could be the gateway for someone to get into this style of music. Have like, have you even thought of that with this song at all? That's fucking wild. Like, I mean, thinking, thinking, <laughs> thinking, thinking about it now, it's like, I, I, so like in my head, I'm like, you like my band? Really? <laughs> I'm like, you know, it's like, it's like one of those, and you know, I was I was actually hanging with um, the dudes from Distant and Angel Maker and uh, Body Snatcher when they came to my town, and I was hanging out with Alan, and somebody came up like they had recognized me, and they were like, "Hey, can I get a picture?" And I'm like, "Of me?" <laughs> you know, and and of course Alan was like, "Ooh, rock star!" I was like, <laughs> "I was like, shut up! I don't know. That's so weird to me." <laughs> it's so it's all fucking strange but you know it's cool it's and i you know i hope we are that band for some of those people you know and anything for the genre to get bigger if if somebody like with lorna it's like if they do well everybody does well and if we can help be a, a any any kind of thing like that you know i would be fucking stoked because if every if all my friends can come up then you know we can come up all of that shit I'm, I'm about it. I feel like you bring up a, with that, you bring up an interesting talking point. I've kind of tried working my way through, but I don't, I feel like every scene is, is rather supportive of itself, but I think mm -hmm. sometimes to a certain extent where it's like, as long as every band kind of stays where I'm at or people that I came up with are, were kind of at the same level, but I feel like it's sometimes you'll see, a band kind of get bigger than everybody else. And all of a sudden it's like, well, they don't really deserve it. And like, I should have that. And like you, then you create, get this sense of competition in a bad way. Yeah. Such a lame mentality to have. 
and I and I've I've been trying to figure out is it a lot of actually twofold. So like part of it is you know with talking about like the the guest vocalist and or the guests you have on your record. To me, I feel like that's you know a great indicating of indicator of bands in the scene kind of wanting to work with each other and support each other. Yeah, I don't feel like you see that as often anymore, and I don't know if it's just legal red tape of trying to get someone. And I understand scheduling and stuff like that gets hard too, but yeah. it's a thing where sometimes I wonder if labels and management and so forth kind of create this this competition or this perceived competition. Well, like if they got that, what you deserve that, and then it's like all of a sudden now it's planting the seeds in you where you're like, well, fuck, I guess I do, and yeah, why don't I have that? And then it's mm-hmm. now you're not trying to see each other all succeed because you know, it's good for everybody, but it's a, Oh, well fuck that. I I should get that. And then now you got haters and stuff like that. And you're just like, and I haven't figured out if the hardcore and metal scene is kind of its own worst enemy in that capacity, or if there's something kind of bigger and I don't want to say more nefarious, but just something else at play that keeps us downward. As I feel like if you look at pop and rap and stuff like that, they are the bigger genre a, because they're kind of more accessible, but I'll at least go to rap where maybe it's not as commercially as successful, like you'll hear on Top 40, like that you could listen to in a uh, like at work or something like that, but where it's more viable because they understand, well, if I get you and you're hot, then you'll help me get bigger, and then I can mm-hmm. do the same thing, and then we all can kind of just keep making money and keep bringing each other up. And I just don't mm-hmm. see that same sense of camaraderie as much in metal and hardcore, in my opinion. Yeah, it's... Um it's definitely an ego thing. I mean, there's ego, there's ego in every genre, but I mean, you know, it's, there's definitely an ego thing. And I've kind of pushed myself to the point where it's like, don't get a fucking big head, be proud of what you do. Know you're good at what you do, but don't be fucking so confident that you get cocky. Cause that's that there's a, there's a balance that you have to maintain, you know? You know, it, it, it's one of those things like, no, know, know your worth, but don't over fucking sell yourself. As someone who, and I'm working through it still, you know, suffers from like imposter syndrome really bad. Oh, I do too. How? Yeah. Oh, well, I was going to say, how do you, how have you navigated that? Like to where, cause I feel like it is to me, I feel like it's like a razor thin line between I know I'm good versus kind of being like, well, like, you know, like yesterday doing a podcast and I got uh, with two different people and they both gave me compliments for how well the chat was and all that stuff. And my immediate thing was just to deflect and then like not take the the compliment. And that was something, again, going back to therapy where it was like, learn to take the compliment because then you kind of come across like a dick by not taking the compliment either, which isn't the intent. And so it's just this, this fine line you straddle where you're trying to not be overly braggy in what you can do being self-confident, but then also not being a narcissist either. And I feel like to me, it's such a thin line to, to ride that knowing that there are other people out there who probably feel the same way I do. It's like, how do you, how do you overcome that? Do you want to know the real secret? I mean, it is, I'm doing it. And that's more than I can say for other people who are good and not in the same position because they're overthinking. They're taking what other people say way too seriously and they're not trying. So it's, it's all a matter of doing it. 
just, you know, do it. Like you'll get better. Sometimes you got to, and sometimes like, fuck it, man. Like sometimes you throw out a stinker and like, that's <laughs> just the, that's the way it fucking goes. And like, you learn, you do better next time. Like it's one of those things, man. And I, I, w- I was actually talking on the riff hard podcast. Um, and we were talking about this same exact thing where it's like, you know, I was like, you know, ah, uh, yeah. I mean, like, I'm I'm an okay guitarist, whatever, this, that, the other thing. Like, I do suffer from imposter syndrome. I suffer with it every day. But the, the fact of the matter is I'm putting out music and I'm structuring music. I'm involved in the writing process. I'm involved in the business process. I'm doing it. And that's the, that's the thing. If you try, you're already beating your imposter syndrome, you know? And like the voices in the back of your head may tell you different, like, but at the end of the day, as long as you're putting out content and you're trying and you're editing yourself and like learning from your mistakes, you're already doing better than the next guy who has it. That's not right. That's, you know, and like, it's okay. And like, it's fine. We all suffer. I I feel like everybody suffers, suffers from it to a degree. But, you know, I mean, I, even I, I know people that are a 10 times better guitar player than me and they do it as a hobby in their living room. And it's like, you know, it, it, it's one of those things that I feel like they let that get to them. I feel like for a lot of, you know, and I was just saying recording the intro and outro for an episode that will be out like next week. But like I was making the comment about how a lot of the people like the conversations I have, you know, I get something from it. And if no one listens to the show, like it's whatever, because the connection I'm making with essentially a stranger is worth it to me because usually I'll take something away from the conversation, like, you know, forever, like not to be like morose about it, but it's like, I'll forever remember this one because it literally was, you know, if, if whatever happens with my grandfather, I'll be like, I remember where I was when I got the first phone call before everything started going on. So forever you'll hear, you're going to be tied to that memory. Um, but it's, I don't, it's uh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, but the nice thing is, is like, at least like yeah. now, like it's a thing where I know we kind of talked about where my head's at currently with the few things that have gone on in the last 24 hours. And, you know, now we're just discussing other things, but it's always, you know, there's something in it that I take away that stays with me for a day or two or three or however long. And I'll end up working kind of just thinking about something that maybe we have talked about. And at the end of the day, it's like, hopefully someone will listen to it. And like, even the imposter syndrome part, maybe someone else will listen to this. That's a fan of your band has no fucking clue who I am. And because I was willing to at least say like, I kind of like still suffer from this at times where I'm just like, I'm just, I'm not worthy. Like I'm just some dude. And like, who gives a fuck about what I have to say, but it's a thing where maybe it'll give someone permission to be like, oh, maybe like, you know, I heard them talk or like the one guy talking about therapy and I've been thinking about it. So like, I'm going to go or yeah, I stuff. I feel the same way. And like, you know, you saying, you know, you just got to do something and it's more than most who will do nothing. Like, I feel like that's the gift that I hope that somebody will find this when they need it. And they're going to like have the permission to kind of start bettering their own lives in some capacity. Yeah, man, absolutely. Like, you know, I'm, at the end of the day, it's like, I'm just a fucking guy. So if I can help another fucking guy or another fucking girl or whatever, whoever's suffering from the same thing I suffer from and give them whatever advice I can, that's, I do my part, you know, like I, I'm just like how you do with this podcast and being, being 
vulnerable at admitting that you suffer from these things is better than somebody who pretends that everything's fine, that they're the greatest on earth and then they're miserable, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think that's the, I mean, without beating a dead horse on a soapbox, but it's like, I think that's kind of what has been the downfall of like kind of the overstimulation of social media and everything is a, like everyone, no one really actually I should take it back. Not, I mean, there are people who definitely use their platforms to kind of bring to light these things, but sometimes I feel like maybe they overdo and that becomes their whole identity, which is actually something I've really been thinking about a lot more in the last like couple of weeks is people so attaching themselves to their identity to a thing. And like, I'm going to say this, this is probably going to be a very controversial way that I came to this conclusion, but I think a lot of people tie negative things that like make them not feel great and they just wrap yeah. them whole selves into it. And what made me think about this was honestly seeing, I was going to the casino with my wife a couple, uh, like a week or so ago and just seeing so many veterans of like the Korean war and Vietnam and so forth. And these are wars that, by and large from most encounters I've had with people who had been in them and family members who served and so forth. It's like the worst fucking time of their life. Like the things that they have to do, had to do getting drafted when you were, you know, 18, 17, whatever. And, you know, having to do what they had to do and see. And it's like one of the most traumatizing things that they had to experience and still do in PTSD and so forth and losing friends and, and all that. And then they wear this hat or they wear like the jackets and everything. And I'm like this horribly traumatic experience in your life. And you just wear it around. Like it has become your identifying thing. Like I'm a veteran of this war and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't know. Like it's almost like trauma bonding for lack of a better term. It's like all I can kind of think of, but then I've sort of thought about it from a differing perspective of, you know, with people in politics now, like, I'm so pro Trump or I'm so pro this, or I'm so pro that, that it just becomes your everything. Yeah. And I, and I don't know when, I guess it's been going on for a long time, but I just, I guess I've been noticing it a lot more where people just kind of find this one thing and they're like, it's who I am. And you're like, mm -hmm. all right, I, I guess like I'm, I'm more than one yeah. thing. So like, I don't know if I could ever tie myself so staunchly to a thing like that. Yeah, I can't relate. It's like, you know, it's, it's so, I don't know when people, when people think they find their thing and they just go with it, it's like, they become that thing, like you said. And I don't feel like that is a healthy way to go about things at all. Um, you know, with the military thing, I can see like, okay, maybe they wear it as a badge of honor. Like they a hundred percent they made a difference or something like that. The people were like pro pro Trump or pro whatever. Or what I'm just like, could you like, why? Like, it, it's like, why? I don't understand. Like why you make that your whole personality. It, it's, and it's like, it's like, you're not the only one doing that. It doesn't make you different or special and it doesn't make you an edge Lord. It doesn't make you anything other than a jackass. Um, you know, the whole politics thing is so polarizing these days and it's like we have to just come together as a people and, and and like just do better and be good to other people and it, it's one of those things it's like oh you voted for you voted for this person or you voted for that person or this and that and i hate you because of it and it's like this and that and it's like 
just who the fuck cares? Just be a good person. That's all that matters. Just be a fucking good person. <laughs> and to clarify, because I'm sure I'll get random comments about this. It's like, I don't hate the military or anything like that. It was just something I yeah. thought of where seeing so much of it and knowing, you know, like my grandfather and my somewhat people in my family have served and, you know, like one of my, my uncles was in like one of the first green berets and stuff like that. But like to hear them talk about it all these years later, it's like, I don't really ever hear anyone talk about it with much, you know, it was a good time. I'm glad I did that. It was a lot of, like things yeah. like that. So when I say like the negative sides of things, like that's kind of more of where I'm coming from with it. And and I know it's really polarizing to them be like, and then Trump people, but they're one of the only other things that when I think of that as a concept of just attaching something to yourself and becoming so this, that's one of the first things that I see. Yeah, it's but, like your, your whole personality is loving Trump. It's like, it's like, that's so dumb. Why? Like, or your whole personality is loving any of those sides. It's like, it's all fucked. The government's fucked. Why make it your personality? <laughs> well, and that's the thing is like, I feel like a lot of times if you were to meet any of these people and it doesn't have to be a politician, it literally could be anyone that you wrap your identity around or a thing. It's like most of the time you probably find that these people suck and you would then regret that you spent so much time, money and all your, your life vested in this thing. And I think that's kind of where I keep coming back to, too, with the, with this thought I keep coming about about that, where it's like, at what point do you kind of realize that it doesn't matter that this thing doesn't love you or won't provide for you the way that you are for it? And even going a step further than that, it's like, I can't remember a time. Like, I feel like when I was growing up in the 80s, it's like, I don't feel like people were as politically divisive as it is now. Like, like you could be Republican or Democrat. It didn't fucking matter. Like you, yeah. you, you were friends over the things that you were friends, like bonded over your differences. Didn't make the gap wider. If anything, it was like, those are just things we don't talk about. Yeah. You don't I've like it. Friends. You just don't talk about it. Yeah. I've got friends that like both sides and like, you know, and sometimes the, there'll be the, the argument or whatever the fuck when, whenever we get together, but I'm just like, who the fuck cares, bro? Like, just be friends. Like, you know, like, it's like, and like, honestly, the fact that they can still be friends and, you know, in, in spite of that is awesome. Like, that's the first step. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, dude, <laughs> it's just chill. <laughs> I think it becomes this thing where most people aren't willing to have a discourse, a civil discourse. Everyone, when you get into certain de- topics, and then it turns into a debate. No one's listening anymore. They're just waiting for their turn to talk over you. And yeah. to me, I feel like when you kind of start realizing that, you're just like, I just don't even want to start engaging in this because it's just, it's worthless. It's not even worth it. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, and it's like when, when they start to talk politics, I'm like, I kind of tune out. I'm just like, okay, cool. I, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of how I am. And then I always get like labeled. It's like, well, you should care. And I'm like, you know what? There are so many other people who will that like, it's almost like kids. My wife and I don't yeah. want kids. And people are like, oh, one day you're going to want them. I go, you know what? I don't have kids. My wife doesn't have kids. And th- there are those that have four. So you already had enough for you and me and somebody else. So like, I don't yeah. need to. Um, yeah. <laughs> that and I always think it's funny. Like when you're starting to meet somebody, the, the awkward invasive questions that people will ask, which is, you know, like, 
the many times I've started a new job and usually I'll just go sit in my car and be by myself on breaks. Cause I'd rather do that than to answer really awkward questions because it'll be like, Oh, so are you married? Or then if you say yes, then it's like, Oh, do you have kids? And it's like, how do you know that? Like, and I always joke with my wife. I was like, next person asked me this. I'm just going to say this and just wait for their reaction. But like, I'll be like, Oh, I'm impotent. Thanks. Yeah. You can't have kids. Yeah. Can't have kids <laughs> or like <laughs> something like that. Or like, you know, one day yeah. I did say this to someone and then I got, you know, I had to sit down with HR, but they, they were like, Oh, do you have any, they had, do you have any kids? And I go, do you, so do you orgasm when you're on top? And the lady got really offended <laughs> clearly. <laughs> and then it's, she was just like, how dare you? And I was like, well, how do you know that like having children isn't a, a really sore subject for my wife and I? Like, how do you know? Yeah. And so when I said that back to HR, I was like, I'll sign whatever. But like, they go, well, do you understand why you, what you said was offensive? And I go, but how do you know that like talking about it? Like, how do you know that I didn't just have a miscarriage? My wife and I didn't have a miscarriage. How do you know that like one of us isn't able to have kids or like that? Maybe yeah. we've been trying to adopt and just can't. I was like, you don't know. And I was like, so there should be things that, yes, what I said was was aggressively offensive but i was trying to make a point of like you're asking very invasive questions and you don't even know me yeah. so i'm ans yeah, i'm asking one back to you it's one of those things where it's like you know fucking my parents always told me don't be nosy like ask <laughs> questions how are you doing how are you doing today how about that weather like small talk <laughs> like you know like and I, and, you know, personally, I, I'm fine with answering those questions, but you are right. It is pretty invasive. Like, maybe you don't want to tell that to some random coworker that you don't know how long you're going to work with them. You don't know if you're ever going to talk to them again, depending on how big the place is. Like, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, well, I mean, if especially if you want to be a private person these days, that doesn't almost doesn't exist because yeah. like, you know, you know, social media and shit like that, which I, I, I'll be real. I post everything on social media. <laughs> so maybe that's why I'm okay with being like an open book. Uh, but uh, if you want to have a private life, then like, yeah, by all means, like that, that makes total sense. I get it. Yeah. Do you actually, I would be interested to revisit your, I post everything when the band has more long, like more tenure under its belt and you've toured more and more people start following you. And then maybe some of the random DMS and stuff you'll start getting. I'd be interested to see if you stop being as forthcoming with what you share. It's true. Maybe I've thought about it. Um, have you? Yeah. Yeah. I've actually, I've actually reeled back on posting for the most part on some things because it's like, I used to post stupid fucking memes, you know? And like, so I'm, I'm like, well, somebody might not like that meme or like, oh, well, this might be too much for like, you know, or I've got family or like, and this, I've just started thinking about it more the older I get. And I'm just like, you know, I'm just like, fuck man, may maybe I should just almost like act my age, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, um, I'm like 32, so maybe I shouldn't be posting the stupid sex meme, you know, like, or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I mean, there are times like I've, I'm not like, I mean, even doing this podcast sometimes, like when I work for the company my wife still works at, and at one point, someone, I was looking at another job and they were talking about, um, asked me something about a book I had read. And I said, oh, the last book I actually read was uh, in preparation for a podcast chat with Joanna Angel. Mm -hmm. And then so the person was like, wait, you have a podcast? And I was like, yeah. 
And then all of a sudden it turned into this thing like, well, you don't talk about this company, do you? And I was like, no. Yeah. But like at the time I was like, I mean, if you go back a handful of years before I worked here and I just would say things about like the company my wife worked at, like, yeah, there's probably some stuff back there, but like it just became this thing where it's like, I don't really ever think about what I do here really affecting any job or anything. Cause I'm like, they're not related, yeah. but it is interesting that some companies now will be like, Oh uh, yeah, you can't talk about us or you mention us or things like that, that it's become this thing where even by proximity, you're an extension of them and can't talk about anything online. Cause it'll make them look bad by, by ver- like just proximity of you being an employee or past employee. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, well, you know, like if you currently work for the company, yeah, I could see that. But if you don't work for the company anymore, fuck them. Like, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> who cares? <laughs> I don't know, man. I just saw right before you hopped on, I saw that uh, Afro man is being sued by the sheriff's department that he was raided by and then made that song and video about them raiding his house, like destroying his gate and destroying all his shit. And now they're suing him for a bunch of like bullshit basically where they're like, Oh, it's caused us emotional stress and harm and credibility and all this shit. So they're suing him and you're like, so you are suing the person whose property you destroyed. You destroyed. Yeah. Because what you got a bogus tip or whatever. And then like, oh, okay. <laughs> so dumb. So, so dumb. fucking dumb. On a, uh, a whole, oh, go, go ahead. Sorry. No, good. I was just saying, I hope they don't win. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they don't either. I was going to say kind of uh, slowly and wrapping up. <clears throat> um, this is more of a selfish thing. So I'm sure people are going to be like, Oh, what the fuck? I don't want to hear this part, but you know, getting ready to go out to Vegas uh, myself in a couple of weeks uh, with my wife, what are some, uh, what are some cool spots uh, that are maybe not like a little off the beaten path to check out? I mean, I always tell people avoid the strip and just go downtown. Um, like Fremont has all the coolest spots. Fremont's where we usually like stay in anyway. There you go. Um, I usually go to Griffin. I usually go to Corduroy. Oh, um, I don't have that one on my list. Yeah. And then Oddfellows is the closest thing we have to like a goth bar out here. So you um, say it was Oddfellows? Oddfellows, yeah. So th- those places are cool. Um, I mean, what what else are you looking for? Are you looking for food? Or are you looking like, I got tons of spots. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like, it's funny. So we're only going to be there two days and we got like just a jam packed two days. Cause as soon as we land, um, in like, like a couple hours later, the pop people and word of live dudes. So pop people are from here. Um, yeah. so when I saw Davey at the, our local bar that we both go to, um, uh, he was like, Oh, you're going to be on Vegas. You want tickets? You want to come hang out? And I was like, sure so like now that's oh, something yeah. i added to our agenda but it'll be cool because i think they're playing the brooklyn bowl i think i oh, think huge, i'm not yeah. sure um but like he was like yeah you got to check out the griffin you got to check out the triple b container park insert coin um were what he suggested i don't think insert coin is there anymore okay i'll just <laughs> Go ahead. I could be wrong. Marks next to that. I, almost, <laughs> I remember. I remember that place closing down a little while ago, unless they moved. The other one that I'm super excited to go back to that we found super randomly was the Black Hole. It's like a liquor store on one side, and then there's like a wall where you can literally go through, but they have security, so you can't enter that way. So you got to go okay. around 
to the front door and then it's like a raider themed bar like a dive bar that's like right uh wherever the brooklyn bowl is whatever that hotel is and that's where we stayed it's uh it's like like the hotel and everything's like here and then like it's like right as you're going the back way to get to the hotel like it was a random liquor store so we're like let's stop there and then we found it and i was like this bar is amazing so it's got to be between the link and flamingo so it's one of those two because i think they're both connected to like where that area is Uh, but i'll have to check that out called the black hole i believe that's what i remember it being i was pretty drunk when we stumbled across it literally (laughs) and then i kept drinking then i kept drinking there i asked for because they had hot dogs that they were making so i asked for some hot dogs my wife ate them so then on our walk back i stopped (laughs) it at five guys i think or whatever that is that's next to the brooklyn bowl and then got some burger or in and out yeah it was in and out and then i yeah then they got mad at me because I was eating my in and out in the place while they were trying to close it down while I was waiting for my friend. And they kept telling me I can't eat in there. I was like, I literally just bought it here and I'm waiting for my friend. You can't, you, I can't eat my fucking fries and burger in here. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Trash ass place. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like, actually I was in here before you closed, so I can technically eat in here. I know how this works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Vegas is very weird like that, where they just have weird ass wonky rules. Um, yeah. Sometimes when you get into places, but yeah, I know like that was a place I wanted to go to. I thought about doing the the uh, Ferris wheel thing again, just because last yes. time I did it, I drank like twelve Jack and Cokes in the half hour I was on that thing. Yeah, you just can do totally worth it. But <laughs> <laughs> everyone's like, really? That's how many you drank? I go. I sat by the bar and I asked her right before we even start. I go, is there a cutoff? Like, is there a maximum you can have? She goes, no. And then, so I was like, okay. And then as soon as we went, like, I'd be like, as soon as I got halfway, I'm like, give me another one. Yeah. <laughs> I had 12 in that half hour. Double yep. fisted them. <laughs> yeah. I was like, at that point, if I'm paying $40, I'm getting my $40 worth. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, two things. I love tiki bars. Mm. Uh, not everybody does, but I love them. So if you get a chance, check out Frankie's Tiki Room. Okay. And Golden Tiki. Frankie's Tiki and Golden Tiki. Yes. Two right. great spots. Frankie's Tiki is a little bit more divey. Golden Tiki is like you walked into the Pirates of the Caribbean ride and you're having a drink there. I almost feel like I might have gone to Golden Tiki with my parents when they came out for our wedding. Maybe yeah, not, though. It's, it, it's on uh, Spring Mountain, so like our, our, our Asia town that's yeah. down there. Um, it's down there, so if you were ever down there, you probably went. Possibly. A lot of yeah. that just becomes a blur of whatever and then evil pie i always have to go to evil pie oh evil pie is great uh yeah good pie good pie is another one i guess it's a a old employee of evil pie that went to make good pie (laughs) yeah and but they do the like grandma slices and the sicilians if you're into those okay i'll have to check that one out because that was uh yeah, Fremont's where it's at. Like everyone, like I know so many people who go to Vegas and they're like, "Where do I go? Like, what's what on the strip's cool?" And I'm like, "I don't know." On the actual strip, it's just it's too far. It's too much. And I was like, yeah. "I like Fremont. It's more close. It's more of like people. Like I feel like Fremont is like the area where it's like people who know what they want out of Vegas. That's where they go. Mm-hmm. Like you already yeah, have been a couple of times and you just want to go for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I'm excited to to go check it out. Yeah, dude. I feel like people should go to the strip once. And then the next time they come, maybe just go to downtown. Like just just go down down on Fremont and see which one you like better. 
because strip is a little bit more extravagant. It's like, you know, well, it can be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's also, it's also a garbage can sometimes, but I mean, you know, whatever. But I mean, that's a little bit more like glitz and glam and everything like that. But you go down to Fremont and it's more like homey local life. Yeah. And if you like that type of stuff, that's where you, you should go. Yeah. I mean, that's where I paid $200 for a tattoo. That was the size of a quarter. Yeah, our guitar player Trey did the same fucking thing. <laughs> so I'm gonna stand up for a second for you. Let's see, can you see it? This guy right here. Yeah, just barely. Is it diamond? Yeah. So my wife yeah. and my wife and a friend of ours, we were gonna get diamonds or emeralds, but she kept picking yeah. up the diamond. I was like, those aren't the same stones at all. Uh, but yeah. she was like, I want a diamond emerald colored. And then when they <clears throat> they were charged us all extra to put it on different parts of our body that were like, I guess where they knew it was going to fall out or, you know, whatever. So like my friend wanted it on the back of like of her neck or whatever. And they're like, Oh, it's going to be an extra like 50 bucks. Same with my thumb, even though I have a bunch yeah. of shit. And I remember I say, this is a cliche woman, but like the, when they were like, Oh, it'll be extra. And they like my, my wife and friend were just like, Okay. And so I was like, all right. And I paid for mine. And they're like, what are you doing? And I was like, paying for it. And they're like, no, we're not getting it. And I was like, you just said, okay. And they're like, yeah, okay. Like, no, we're not doing that. I was like, okay, I don't really know where okay means no. Um, so then I sat there and they sat around while I got my, my finger done. And when it was done, it looked great. But unfortunately my thumbs look, you know, have a bunch of wrinkles and shit in them. So like when it started healing, I was like, yeah. Ooh, I was like, this is going to heal out really bad. And then, so for years, my wife made fun of me like, Oh, look at this terrible tattoo that John got in Vegas. And I was like, you know, honestly, I do kind of love that it like fell out and it looks old. Cause I was like, that's the Vegas. Yeah, vibe. <laughs> yeah it really is. Uh, fucking old and run down. That's yeah. downtown Vegas. <laughs> yeah. But it's a, yeah. uh, I fucking love it. And I love that vibe and I'm excited to go out in a couple of weeks. Like I said, I don't know. Uh, hoping to meet up with some people that live out that way. Maybe if you're out and about, uh, I think we're leaving on the 14th or like the 16th. We're out there. So if you're out that way, maybe come grab a drink oh. with you. I think I will be on tour at that time. But you son of a bitch. How dare you? Have I a job? know. How dare know. you have Fuck a job? Me. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but if I, if I was home, I would definitely join. Yeah, um, absolutely. But yeah, um, it's, if, if you, if you come out here any other time, just let me know. Yeah. What um kind of like last few questions for you. What are you most excited for? You know, we're a day away from the record dropping. Uh, as of when this drops, it'll be, it'll have been out two weeks. So what are you excited currently for people to hear off the record? Um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of excited to hear our take on symphonic deathcore Cause it's like, at the end of the day, we're, we're pretty much just a symphonic metal band and like, uh, you know, having the sound based off of blackened deathcore. Um, is huge, but I hope everybody enjoys all the elements that we put into this because it's kind of just, it's kind of more than that. It's, it's our, it's our own thing. Like I told Ricky when we first started, I wanted to do, I wanted to do that style, but kind of do it our own way, you know? And so I think we succeeded with, with this album, which is awesome. What was your first reaction to hearing the mixes back when Josh was sending them to you? Holy fuck. That's me. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I was stoked. Um, everybody was, you know, overall stoked. Uh, uh, you know, when, when your manager and your A&R guy are super stoked on the project, you know, like, 
yeah, that's it. Like, you know what I mean? And like they, they, they were, our whole team was like stoked on it. So, um, I don't know, man. I, I just like, but it was kind of like mind blowing. Cause I was like, damn, we did this. It's like, you know, you, you work so hard on something and it comes out like pretty much it better than you envisioned it. You're like, wow, holy fuck. So it, I, I'm stoked on it. The other thing I was like asking, and it, it kind of makes it feel disingenuous because it's it's not that I'm not excited about what you're what's about to come out, but I know the life of an artist. You're always creating. Are you guys already writing new material at this point? Yep, of course we are. <laughs> <laughs> so that's always ends. yeah. I was just say that's always the thing that's interesting to me is, you know, some people don't understand that like by the time a record gets out you've already been sitting on it and done with it for at least sometimes a year or two just from the process of waiting for vinyl and so forth. So to me, it's always like, I, we're always playing catch up to you where you're like, yeah, I'm excited about this thing, but I did that like a year ago. You should wait until you hear the thing I'm already working on now. Cause like now that's what I'm excited about. Totally. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's definitely funny because everybody's hearing it for the first time and like, but now, I mean, I'm not tired of it. It's like, it's great, but you better not be, I'm you gotta, you gotta support this for the next like year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know, but it's like, all right, on to the next thing, you know, like, I, I feel like musicians are the most impatient people on the face of the earth. I've even been in bands where we've sat on songs for so long. People don't even want to release them at that point. So <laughs> yeah. And like, it's that, that's the most frustrating thing. Um, but luckily that's not the case with this band. So, um, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm super stoked on it. And uh, I can't wait to hear what people think about it. Lastly, before I have you plug stuff on, you know, your socials and online and all that, <clears throat> one of the podcast sponsors is Rockabilia and they do like all kinds of band merch and stuff like that. So I've been having fun asking guests, what's your favorite piece of band merch that you own or did own? Oh. Okay. So did own, um, I actually, people are going to hate me for this one. Um, I owned a signed Pantera tape case that was signed by Dime, Phil, Rex, and Vinny. And I was hard up on money and I sold it. And I really wish I didn't. So, uh, but I owned that. And that was probably my favorite piece that I fucking owned. And I'm an idiot. But, you know, time to be rough sometimes. <laughs> which, which album was it if it was on a cassette? It was Vulgar. Oh shit. Yeah. Now I have to ask the most like shitty question. How much did it get? And when did you sell it? Like how, how long ago was this thing sold? A long time ago. It was like, uh, 2000 and around between 2010 and 2012. Well, so after and, time had been long past. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was years after that. And, I had bought it off of somebody who owned it prior because mm. um, I've never seen Pantera live, but I wanted to feel like, you know, I wanted to be like a, a super fan and have that. So, yeah. but yeah, I think, I think I only got like, I only got like a hundred, 150 bucks out of it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 I mean, when times are tough, you got to do what you do and you got to let some stuff go. But, you know, I wish I hadn't sold it at all, let alone for that amount of money. Like, that's why, that's why I'm sure people are going to hate me after this. So, <laughs> so, 
Wild. Wild. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I've learned to manage my money just a bit better these days. <laughs> so I don't I don't really have those problems. And <laughs> I can keep I can keep some of the merch that I enjoy having. Uh are you I know. are you someone that's gonna go check out the Pantera reunion that's going around? Like does that oh, interest you? Yeah. Fuck yeah, it does. I mean, okay. I never got to see them live and I feel like anybody who never got to see them live, it uh it it's definitely experience. It's not going to be the same thing. And like, I even saw um, Phil and Selma and the illegals when they opened up for uh, Slayer do vulgar display of Pantera. And that was sick. I was hyped. And, you know, I had, of course I had fan uh, like friends that were like, Oh yeah, that's not cool. Like, uh, you know, whatever. Like, and it's like, look, I love dime just as much as the next guy, but you got to admit it would be cool to fucking see like a legit Pantera reunion and who better, you know, than Zach wild to do it, you know, like, it, yeah, I, I don't know. To me, I would go see it. Yeah, no, I'm hoping that it comes through. Um, it's funny that one of the bands that's on that Metallica run that Pantera is doing. Um, mm-hmm. I have a friend that's on that. And I was just like, my wife's like, it's a couple of days for my birthday. You should ask them if they can give us a ticket. And I was yeah. like, they probably could do their date. And I was like, yeah. and she was like, well, don't you want to see the Pantera? I was like, yeah, but I'm not going to be that dick. Who's like, Hey, can you get me both dates? <laughs> Guest listed just so i can yeah. like see these bands because like i know that's like the ask is like so fucking huge with how much those tickets cost yeah yeah with the with shows like that it's kind of like rough but i mean you never know you don't ask you don't get like i know I mean, again i'd I feel like half yeah. the time it's like so many people are like why did you pay money to come see see this like you know that i knew this person or you know that i'm playing like why didn't you just ask me for tickets i'm like i don't know because i don't want to ask so I feel like a yeah. dick. Like it's like, oh, that's all you are to me is just free tickets. It's the free tickets, yeah. No, yeah. that's that's why Kyle from Body Snatchers said the same thing to me when I went to go see them. He was like, "Why didn't you fucking hit me up?" And I'm like, "Because I asked you last time, and I didn't want to bother you. I want you to actually be my friend, bro." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's again, I guess again, it kind of goes back to that imposter syndrome thing where I'm like, maybe they don't think I'm really their friend. So like by doing that, it's just gonna make it worse. <laughs> No, yeah, I've come to realize like it's it, it, the music. It, it, most of the time, when like somebody doesn't answer you back or like you know it, it is distant or whatever, it's because they're busy. And like yeah. I get that, you know, like and it's it's one of those things like you don't think you're close enough or this and that and the other thing. And it's just the fact, like you know, they might be busy with other shit. Yeah, I mean, like the other day, a friend of mine was on a tour with a rapper that like the whole tour was sold out. And I had a couple people that were like, oh, how was the show? And I'm like, I don't know. I hung out with them at merch the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, uh, and I was like, yeah, I just, I literally was behind the merch booth with them the whole time, just bullshitting. And they're like, yeah. you didn't even watch the show. I was like, I did. They had it on the TV in the lobby where I was, but like, yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> watch the show at all. <laughs> and like to, to people who I guess don't have friends who tour, like they don't understand why you would sit around for two and a half hours or three hours and do that. But it's like, because I want to hang out with my friend. I, the show is secondary. I didn't really care about the show. Um, yeah. But that's the thing. Shows are just a hang session, man. They're just yeah. a hang session. The yeah. hang session you pay to go to. <laughs> Thankfully, I don't have to pay for most of them anymore. But a lot of times it's like, and that's such, it's like the thing that no one understands. Like, um, 
So it's funny. I see you're wearing an Esley dying shirt. And so when they yeah. came through Ken, who I know, you know, now through Fishman. Um, yep. So it's funny. Like when he came through on this last tour that they did, um, they came through Grand Rapids and we just were talking. And then like, you know, we ended up catching the band like side stage, which was nice where I kind of walked in front of the barricade so I can just kind of have an unobstructed view because I'm short too. And uh, <laughs> it was a thing yeah. at one point, like, uh, someone was just like, Oh, it must be so cool. Like, and I was like, yeah, I mean, I hung out with my friend talking for like two hours. I didn't see any of the other bands. I saw as I die and play essentially right in front of the P like right in front of the stack of sound, you know, the monitor, yeah. the, the, some of the wedges and the, the PA and I go, and then I watch it side stage, but they're all on in here. So like, all it really is, is the guitars that are being pushed out through the PA and then symbols and shit. And I was like, yep. so I didn't really see the show. Like you saw it. And I go, which is fine. I know how those songs go, so I could still get down to it. But I was like, to me, half the time anymore, like seeing the shows are fine, but it really is just, I want to hang out with my friend and see like the people I know. And that, cause it's like, I probably won't see you face to face in real life for another three, four five, six, seven months. And then especially after the pandemic where it's like, man, like I remember Seeing Killswitch, Light the Torch, August Burns Red. Uh, I think we were the second date of the tour. I did a couple interviews with uh, some of the guys in some of the bands. And it's like, I know some of the Killswitch camp. And so like hanging out with Josh, uh, their tech and so forth. And like the next day, like the whole world shut down. And it was like, dude, like there's so many people that I was like, I really miss hanging, like getting to see you. Even the few times I get to see you here. It's like, now I haven't seen you in like three years. And so it's like, now I'm trying to make up for that lost time. Yeah, man. I mean, it's that's that's what it's all about. And touring, it's all about, you know, like it's seeing old friends, meeting new ones, um, you know, getting to hang with people in other states that you might not get to see for like you said six or seven months. Maybe you haven't seen them in like a year or two or three or four. Who knows? You yeah. know, and it's like, you know, that's the cool thing about it. Yeah. Well, last question for you. Where can everyone find you or whatever you would like to plug? Mr. Social. Uh- uh i mean my personal uh instagram is at chase wilson riffs twitter is at chase wilson os um you can find my band on all social media platforms as at of sulfur o-v-s-u-l-f-u-r and i hope you check out the burden of faith because i think it's really cool and stuff and uh, it would be cool if you supported us (laughs) i love the uh i love the album title kind of made me think of a a few different things, but I'll wait to kind of see how it plays out based on the song titles. I see obviously that aren't released and uh, maybe we'll talk about that at a a different point. Absolutely. But I I do have one fun final question for you. I don't think about it. What was another band name that didn't make it? (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's a good, that's a good question. Oh man. Um, I would have to search back, back and back and back. I don't, I don't know. It was like that. None of them were good. No, <laughs> none of them were good because uh, they didn't make the final cut. Uh, <laughs> well, I didn't know if it was as simple as like it was between up sulfur and blank. Like it was literally between these two, and we could have gone either way. No, but I guess that. What <laughs> <laughs> was no, there? All... Was there a oh, different sorry. album title? Um, no, actually we went with this one and it's because Ricky came up with it 
And uh, we all were like, actually, that's pretty fucking sick. You know, the burden of faith, it can, it can actually mean a lot of things. It means something to each, each of us. But I'm, I'm interested to hear your take on it once you hear it and listen to it and what you think it means. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. Um, I guess enjoy whatever Vegas has to offer you tonight. I feel like it's a revolving <laughs> buffet of whatever you would like it to be. Uh, and I'm excited it, to get back out that way. It's a revolving buffet of me laying in my bed and watching TV. <laughs> Fair enough. I guess there's that. <laughs> well, enjoy the rest of your evening and uh, looking forward to hopefully catching catching you guys around this way in Michigan at some point. I can't remember if the tour comes through here soonish or not. It does. Uh, I think Grand you're playing Cro- in, in Detroit. Okay. So, yeah. Whereabouts are you? In Grand Rapids. Oh well. So sick. now I now I have to make sure it's not one of those tours. I'm like, oh yeah, it's it's literally uh, that will be the irony uh, if it's when I'm out where you are. Because <laughs> I feel like that would just be that would just be so perfect that it'd be like, oh cool. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad that is. Looks like you're touring in April, so that's still that'll be good. I think it's sometime in May. Where oh shit, the tour kick the tour. No, never mind. It looks like that'll be 10 days into the tour. So you're here on the 23rd, which oh, is okay. from today and is a Tuesday, which is my, nope, that's not, that's wrong month, April 23rd, which is a Sunday. I will be here. Okay, sick. Yeah. Uh, hit me up on uh, Instagram. I'll make sure you get taken care of. Definitely. We'll, uh, we'll go grab some beers or something and I can take you away from the, the little bit of area of the venue that usually bands stick to and only know of. Sick. There you go. <laughs> I'm enjoy the rest of your friends. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, enjoy the rest of your day and uh, we'll hang in about a month. Hell yeah, man. For sure. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Enjoy your day. You too. So that was my conversation with Chase again, guitarist of, of Sulphur. Again, debut album, The Burden of Faith, is out now. Go crank it. It is uh, seriously impressive. Um, Sometimes I feel like, you know, you see, I don't want to even call them pundits. I'll just say you see people online saying, like, this isn't deathcore. This isn't, you know, death metal. This isn't, and and they try to pigeonhole a genre because it, it can't be this one thing. And and maybe it's because of the era I grew up in musically where it's like you had bands like at the gates, you have bands even like shadows fall, like all of that late nineties, early two thousands metal where it's like, it wasn't any one thing. It drew influences from so many other people and so many other genres. And it's what kept pushing the genres forward. And to me, it's, it's, fun and exciting to listen to something that isn't just one thing over and over and over and over and over again. I mean, even going back to the conversation with Drew and all the guys from CNX Tuesday, it's like, what makes that band interesting now? Like everyone loves Parasite for just being a quick grindcore record. But what makes what they have been doing since intervals moving forward interesting is that they're pushing beyond just the singular genre. They're adding new elements. They're expanding. They're, they're growing. And it's like, how can you not find that interesting? How can you not be excited about where a band is taking something that you already know? And when I say death metal, when I say deathcore, I'm sure all of you listening right now will go, that sounds like this. Or you immediately think of a handful of bands that are that genre to you. 
but it's when you start taking outside influences and bringing them into what we already know and expanding it, that's where it gets interesting to me. That's where I, I find excitement in the genre. That's where I find excitement in finding newer bands and finding the next you know iteration of something. It's honestly, going back to the intro part, that's honestly why I think I love checking out anything that Josh does. Because yes, predominantly, it's going to be heavy. But it's what he's able to do with these bands and, and the journeys and risks that all of these people go on with Josh that really creates something interesting. And, you know, I think for the first time listening back and I, and I was thinking about this the other day, listening to the color morales, no hope record, which is one of the first like bigger records I can think of that Josh did that I was really enamored with. And there are so many interesting choices that at the time were so alienating to people that, you know, uh, Garrett's voice sounded different. It didn't sound like how the band used to, but as the record's gone on and it's now almost 10 years later, or it is 10 years later, I don't even remember. It's one of those things that when I listen to it, I'm like, man, this was kind of the foundation of some of the other risks people were taking. They weren't being overly heavily produced vocally. The vocals are more raw or the dynamics and the stacking of things is just done in such a way that it's more orchestral to a degree. The arrangements are more interesting and it's something that I think when you go back and listen to these albums as they hit these different milestones of, of tenure, that you'll realize this is really the beginning of something that became more popular down the road. I mean, even looking at something like King 810 or some of the stuff with Butcher Babies even now, there's just so much that I think Josh and a lot of the newer producers, newer bands are just unafraid to be uncompromising in their vision and taking risks and swinging for the fences. And it's just exciting. It has me excited to see where these forms of extreme music will go. Obviously, I've talked on the podcast with different people like having these viral moments, Lorna Shore to the Hellfire. That thing was everywhere. You didn't even have to be an underground metal fan to have seen that pop up, knocked loose. You know, now I'm seeing, you know, reels on Instagram where people are like, can't wait to see what kids at Lollapalooza do when the uh, uh, fucking Brian ends up doing the RFR thing to counting, uh, counting worms. Like it's this thing where I'm excited to see what that ends up doing for the underground music genre as a whole for metal. And a band like Of Sulphur, I think, is kind of the next in line to do something that pushes the extreme metal genre forward. And that's exciting. Um, I mean, I could be the four, almost 40-year-old dude sitting here going like, oh man, it doesn't get any better than Death, or it doesn't get any better than, you know, fucking any of these other bands. But I could either go back and just listen to those records, or I can be fucking stoked that there are bands that are taking influences from the old and putting new to it and making something. And to me, I would rather be the optimistic music fan than to be the pessimistic one that's just gatekeeping shit and going, it never got any better than this. Well, then stop listening. Stop trying. Why do anything? Why, again, controversial statement, why even continue to live if it only got better? If everything that was great happened years and years ago in the past, what is there to live for? Why even stay around? I mean, I know that's such a drastic and extreme take, but that's that's how I'm really starting to feel when people try to tell you that things aren't better and things won't be better because it's absolutely bullshit. It's not true. Things do get better. You improve. 
and even taking it a step further and being way more personal because I've, I've been promising myself I wanted to be more personal on these intros and outros, and that's why they're longer and people probably skip over them. I don't care. Again, it's for me. It's a reminder for me. And hopefully it gives you permission to do the same, to be honest with yourself and vocalize and say things that mean something to you to make you want to be a better person and do better things, strive for better. But it's a thing where I have been not happy with my weight. I also haven't done anything to not challenge that. Over the last two weeks or so, I've been working with, uh, as you actually heard in uh, the Jake conversation last week, at the end, Dale, that works at the intersection. He is a security guard uh, at the venue and is one of the nicest fucking people I've ever met through being at venues and so forth. Uh, He actually had a little viral moment himself recently at the... uh, Armor for Sleep and Hawthorne Heights show where he was JT was singing uh, Ohio is for Lovers and Dale was next to him and uh, I think the When We Were Young Festival posted the clip of him singing next to JT and it's one of those things where him and I and Tyler from A Virtue have all kind of joined together and we are working on losing weight and being accountable to one another and it's one of those things where I know that that's something I need. I need kind of that accountability of somebody else because clearly on my own, I'm just not doing it. And it's a thing where over the last week, we've been kind of working on it for about a, about three weeks, but really the beginning of this month is when we're taking it seriously. And in, I would say, the last week and a half, I'm down like 10 pounds. Like, granted, I'm not doing anything drastic. I'm following actually something that Kevin Smith did like six or seven years ago. I just basically started fasting uh, throughout the day And which isn't hard for me when I'm focused on something, I get laser focused on an idea or a task or something. And I just literally forget to eat. Um, but it is something for me where I'm doing that. I'm walking and being more active and being more proactive and being active, which I know is super redundant, but it's a thing where like I'm down 10 pounds and I really didn't do anything. And like now is where the work starts to come in, where I'm going to try to start adding working out. I'm going to start paying more attention. I've already kind of cut out pop. I don't really drink beer much anymore. I don't really drink much as a whole. Um, You know, smoking weed has been life changing for me in the last couple of years on a lot of scales. Granted, it does make me tend to want to eat more, but it's just keeping that in check. And ultimately, that is something that I think all of us can do is try to make little choices. We don't have to go to such extremes of, well, I'm fat and I'm not happy to, I just can't eat anything ever. It's like, no, you just need to find a balance. You need to find what works for you and just make little goals for yourself. I don't know where this journey is going to take me, but it is something that I want to commit to, like a lot of things in my life. I just want to commit to it. I want to be better. And I think all of us can do that. So hopefully, if you're listening to this still almost nine minutes later, challenge yourself Put a little goal in front of yourself and put it an ex I don't want to say an expiration, but put a time frame on it that in X amount of time I want to check back in with myself and I want to see how far I've come on hitting my goal. I think you will be surprised at how quickly you're able to accomplish a lot of things in life if you just put your mind to it. So all of that said, I'm gonna get off my soapbox now. I'm gonna stop being a try to be a positive influence to somebody else, but um I appreciate the time that Chase gave uh, me. I'm looking forward to actually hanging out with him when the band rolls through uh, in a couple months. Um, and if you would like to keep up with Chase, you can find him at Chase Wilson Riffs on Instagram or at Chase Wilson underscore OS on Twitter. If you'd like to keep up with Up Sulphur, simple enough, UpSulphur.com. 
Sulfur on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Go check out the band when they're on this upcoming tour with Chelsea Grin, Carnifex, and Left to Suffer. I mean, really, this is one of those tours that just reminds me, like, sometimes, like, bands just know to, like, hit the road with just a stacked package. And I know this is going to be one of those, like, tours that I'm so glad I went and saw because it's just going to be fucking insane start to finish. Every band is going to crush. Every band's new record is really interesting and great. And like I said, just has me excited about a genre that sometimes it may not seem like I'm into, but it's kind of because I feel like at times, and for a little while, for me as a listener, bands weren't pushing themselves or me or challenging me as a listener. And I will definitely say, like, the new Chelsea Grin, the new Carnifex record, and even this new Up Sulphur record have done that. I've really enjoyed listening to all of them, and I can't wait to see it live. Um, I'm excited. Again, I've been talking about how I'm passionate and excited about music again. And even tonight, I'm going to see Villa Vallo, uh play, and that kind of was the catalyst for me getting excited about seeing bands. Um, so if you would like to keep up with the podcast, I'll probably post some uh, footage of the show tonight. Uh, you can follow us on all the socials, Bruce Speak Pod. Lastly, I want to thank our podcast sponsors, Rockabilia. Uh, we are working on a new code. Apparently, the old one leaked. It was everywhere. Uh, so we are currently working on a new one. Uh, I will get it to you as soon as possible. And I want to thank Starving Artist Brewery uh, once again for just coming on, being awesome people, Andy and the rest of the crew over there, uh, just continually working on making great beer, doing things for their community, and just supporting local artists and local bands and local shows like myself. And... Their support means a whole lot. Uh, and if you're listening still at this point, your support means a lot. So for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John, and I might be back next week uh, with Jeremy from Earth Groans. I really will determine how drained I get uh, from doing work. Uh, leading up to my vacation, I am essentially working open to close doubles every single day, uh, essentially from tomorrow as when I'm recording this all the way through until I leave. So I may not do a podcast episode, uh, just so I can actually enjoy my trip. Uh, if I get something done, that'll be the next one is Jeremy with Earth Groans. I will talk to you next time. Regardless, enjoy the rest of your week.